2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. We've got a sit down with uh, Husker Standout and the good doctor, Rob Zadiska. will be with us. We'll talk to him about the future of college football, sports in general, as you've had a number of college football programs experience positive tests from COVID-19. What's Dr. Rob Zaniska think? Also, he's kind of an expert on the offensive line. Get his take on Nebraska's right tackle spot. The left guard uh, fight for that job and uh, really where uh, Farniak kind of fits in at the right guard spot. That's what we'll step into in hour one. Charlie McBride, Mondays with Charlie. Mr. Blackshirt in one hour. And then Derek Peterson from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Going to be with us, Derek. Some great stuff here when it comes to personnel decisions being considered here before fall camp. And uh, we'll get into him about uh, McCaffrey and the quarterback spot. Numbers to get in. 466 3776 800 825 Find us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio or Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence and email Chris at ALVARCity.com. We'll spend some time on NASCAR, Bubba Wallace and uh, that atrocity that happened to him with the noose being left in his garage. Uh, Dak Prescott also on our radar with uh, what Dallas is going to do. Uh, good weekend, Elijah. Lots of balls and strikes we got I got games in with junior and the lincoln a s youth baseball. They'll knock the rest off and we'll get back at it next weekend. but it was great to be sitting outside spread away from people obviously but in the sun watching youth baseball I know you were excited to call uh, balls and strikes you got to ump this weekend
0: yeah, I actually wish I got some more games cuz Sunday afternoon I was uh, I was on call for the umpiring cuz there's so many uh-huh. uh, there's
2: so much severe weather in the forecast this we weekend could've, we could have used you game 2 Saturday didn't like L- the balls and strikes well my problem is junior like he he got the start which was awesome mm-hmm. but as soon as like he and he throws this well, it, it's a hanger and banger ball when he gets older. It's got a little break to it or it's a change up. And, uh, you know, Pedro Serrano may be able to hit this curveball. But it was dancing around. And, and as soon as he kind of gets this from me, as soon as something doesn't go his way, his face will crunch up. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a loud advertisement worn on his face and his sleeve that he's not happy. Uh, and so he, you know, he wasn't given the ump any guff, but his, his mannerisms, his body language was, was garbage. And we had a friendly and I mean, friendly, I didn't scream at him. We had a chat about the body language thing, but how are you that way? If some kids like kind of mean mugging you, not getting a, a, an outside corner or a ball that floated in, uh, how do you, how do you handle that? Do you kind of mentally keep, keep. Keep that in the back of your mind. There's two different reactions a pitcher
0: can go to. If a pitcher looks mad at himself because he barely missed a pitch, it's okay. It's when he starts doing the hands up, the shrug of the shoulders, what's going on here? He didn't
2: quite go uh, Louisville uh, left-hand relief pitcher.
0: See, I I can understand a pitcher being frustrated whenever it's, it's just barely outside or just barely high. I can understand that. It's whenever I know it's a ball and he's trying to complain or he's giving me the body language where he thinks it's a strike. Then on those close pitches, you might not get it you might not get out on the close one just because that batter's had good body language. He takes the strikes just fine. But whenever you get a, a close ball, you're
2: not, you're, you're mad at me. <laughs> he, he carried his body language issue over to at the dish, the calls he wasn't getting as a pitcher. Uh, the other pitcher got on him as he went Oh, two real quick mm-hmm. in the box. Mm. So no, listen, you live and learn. It's all good. I know you were happy to be out for baseball and, I was happy to get there. So let's, let's spend some time on on football here and a really good article by Max Olson of The Athletic. We'll talk with Mitch Sherman tomorrow. And we are seeing COVID numbers spike up. That's what we're going to spend time with, with Rob Zadiska, Dr. Rob on here at about 15 minutes. And And you've seen Clemson's numbers jump to 20 plus overall. LSU, the report was 30 kids. Uh, closer to home, you have about 15 players from Kansas State. And so far, so good for Nebraska, right? Nebraska's been able to, to start earlier than a lot of programs with the voluntary workouts. Now, there's not a daily update on who's sick, who's not. That's not coming out from Nebraska. But I think if if it got bad, something would, would – you would hear about it. There's much media that covers Nebraska football – somebody would say something and you know how's nebraska going about their business when it comes to their voluntary workouts and it's gonna it's gonna happen in college football you're going to see more and more infections because of the of the, of the closeness and the vicinity and all it can take is one asymptomatic teammate that maybe he was or she was out at the grocery store and not covered up maybe he or she was stopping out to eat somewhere and i'm not saying to 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 lock in i'm not telling you to lock down i don't want that but it comes down to choices you make and are you smart with the social distancing are you smart with who you're hanging around with and what's your priority nebraska's got a lot of guys as we talk here monday afternoon man they want to play ball they've got a lot of they got a bad taste in their mouth for last season the commitment level you still can be a kid you can still be a college student but what's your commitment level and this is where K-State's coach kind of called out the kids that, that that tested positive so just to recap Saturday K-State put out a statement they paused all voluntary football workouts and this isn't to get in line in pinata Kansas State it, it can and it will happen to other programs okay because you do want to go live right you want to go live and do your thing But uh, you have two weeks of of paused workouts and they're going to have another round of retesting as a number of players tested positive and that number continues to rise. So 14 student athletes have now tested positive for COVID-19. That was as of Friday. 14 players self-quarantined, self-isolating for at least 10 days while the rest of the teammates now must quarantine and wait to restart their prep for 2020. So... Uh, this is a major challenge in college football across the country. And Paul Feinbaum uh, is is wondering, and I think this is kind of how we felt Friday going into the weekend. When you look at Clemson, when you look at LSU, when you look at Kansas State and Little Apples, a couple hours away, two and a half hours away, big programs and, and programs within our region. How bad are the numbers going to get? And will we still get a football season? Two weeks ago, we felt pretty good about having college football. Is that still a reality? Paul Feinbaum commented on that this morning.
0: So far, it's been very disappointing. Uh, you know, the ones who are being transparent are, are, are making the lead, uh, the lead story on ESPN every afternoon and, and, and morning. Uh, the ones who aren't uh, are, are underground somewhere. But I, I think it's time for... There to be more. I mean, this is a critical situation. You can't keep this within. And by the way, most of this will get out because these players are texting back and forth with buddies at other schools. So it won't be uh, it won't be down low for long. And the real problem, I think, for college football is, is stemming this negativity. It's not over yet. Every AD is saying the right thing. But do they really believe it? Some of the ones I'm beginning to hear from really don't believe it any longer. Although they're communicating it publicly. We're going to play football. Are we, though?
2: That's a fair question. And you have policies crafted by the CDC when it comes to reintroducing players into facilities. Uh, The next step, you got to ensure a group of 100 comply with the rules. And there are obstacles to those rules. And you had a Zoom meeting with Chris Kleiman. It was mandatory. Uh, A Zoom meeting with players and parents Wednesday to warn them that a small group of players jeopardized the plan for a safe return to campus and football activities. He had the Athletics speak with three parents of K-State players. They spoke on the condition of anonymity because of the sensitivity of the matter. Two parents who uh, said they attended the meeting were told that Kansas State was experiencing a spike in positive tests and that 55 football players needed to be retested. Uh, You have about the, you have the 15% and they've uh, been able to identify due to contact tracing. Uh, In less than a week, you have the program that went from zero to eight, not a 14. Uh, They're not going to resend these kids scholarships, but what happened is, is is you had a, a group of guys end up going to a party. They went to a party it's a lot like you hear someone goes to a nightclub, they don't feel that great, or maybe they don't know that they have it, and bang, they infect 30 people. What, what guidelines are you prepared to follow? How disciplined are you going to be as a student athlete or just as a normal person on the street? I mean, that's, that's a fair question here. Yeah, Kansas State's a, a small community. And the the timeline is this. You had K State instructed to return to campus June 1st. you quarantine for two weeks. you begin your voluntary workouts June 15th, and then they're tested after seven days of quarantining. All right? Uh, and June 11th, you yeah, had the school announce that they tested approximately 90 student athletes. The issue uh, was you had players that were, Part of a large group that attended two off-campus parties last weekend, which might have spread the virus to additional teammates. And Coach Kleinman's like, man, the 15%, that's the frustration part, because you weren't doing what you're supposed to be doing, and we're all sick of being locked up or being cautious. I know we are. But you you see on social media, different Nebraska fans are like, hey, Dude, if you want college football, wear a mask, all right? Protect yourself and protect others. I'm not telling you to wear a mask. I'm just saying, look what happened down at Kansas State, because a couple of dudes, don't know how many for sure, Went to an off-campus party and bang! Now you have 15 of your teammates, maybe more, test positive.
0: Right, and you hit it the nail on the head. Is that if you want college football back, you got to start protecting yourself because whenever the numbers start jumping up, it's only bound to affect sports. I mean, you see what's happening down in the South, where the South's numbers have spiked in the past month, and it's hitting all those college football programs then down there uh, now as well. So it's it, the second wave. We've been hearing that for months. Where they're like, well, we got to flatten the curve, and then you got to prevent the second wave. And it feels like this is the second wave starting to starting to hit the country. I'm no expert, but that's what it feels like to me. And it it feels dangerous uh, in terms of sports coming back here soon. I mean,
2: doesn't it feel like we're teetering? And I hate to go there today because you and I are just talking about, hey, we finally got out. You got the umpire. I got to watch my kid play baseball. Are we going to be able to see sport? Because we we want it so bad. I want to cover the Nebraska team again this year, and I want to see football. I don't want to see athletes though put in danger either, uh, because of money. And Laura Rutledge from ESPN chimed in. There is a concern. There, you you heard and saw this. Hold on a minute, type mentality from UCLA. A number of kids from UCLA that they they didn't feel that that. Chip Kelly or the UCLA program may have their best interest in mind. They wanted a third party there to make sure all the uh, protocols were, were dotted and crossed. The other side of this, I mean, with LSU, I mean, you've got 30 players quarantining right now. They tested positive because they visited local bars. And, man, you get back to campus, you want to kind of get back into normalcy. But it's just dangerous to go out and not social distance
0: and like even beyond just the activities within a team that can spread it it's I mean a lot of these guys are living together Mm -hmm. they're renting out houses in Lincoln they're you know staying at the same apartments Uh, they could even be staying with different athletes of different sports so how quickly it can spread through an athletic department it's it's scary and that's why I think it's teetering is because we're seeing that we're seeing
2: that within a week you can go from zero people testing positive to 20 on a team you think you're safe you think you're okay things are opening up the restrictions are easing Let's go out and spend some money. Let's help a local business. I mean, we went out last night for Father's Day, but the place we went out to had, I don't know, maybe one family to a row of booths. We had to wear a mask to get in. Had a temperature swab. I mean, we still went out, but we were very safe about it. Hand sanitizer, washing our hands. The poor waitress and wait, you know, waitresses... I mean, they are hazmat-suited up, just trying to do their job. I mean, it's not ideal, but you've you've just got to choose. Do you want to play ball? And that means maybe cracking a beer at home with your teammates versus going out to a a campus party or going out to a bar down at LSU.
0: And the scary thing to me is we don't even have – Competition yet between teams. No. What happens whenever there's an asymptomatic left guard who spreads it to the entire other defensive line, who then they're asymptomatic for a week and a half, and they spread it to all their teammates, who then spread it to a whole other team? It, it can spread very quickly once the competition starts opening back up, and that's very scary in terms
2: of getting sports back. Right. I mean, it, it, it could be rampant and just kind of cut through, and then you're off for two weeks and quarantining, and who else has it? And I think we'll still get football. We still can't put in ink what it looks like do we have time for rutledge uh rutledge her commentary here on just the concern from a lot of college football players out there
3: I'm hearing that there are many more cases that we don't know about, and that's to be expected, but I think this is more widespread and and maybe a larger volume of cases than people even realize within college football. It's interesting too, because you brought up that UCLA story. I'm getting much more of a sense of concern from some of the players that I'm talking to that wasn't there even a couple of weeks ago. And there's actually some players who were trying to figure out how they could write a letter to the NCAA expressing their concern. here's the problem. They want to try and remain anonymous because they're concerned that all of a sudden maybe a university would say, Hey, if you're that worried about this, then just don't even play. We can go ahead and quarantine you and you don't even have to be a part of this.
2: Rob Zadiska will tell us more about COVID and football in the Nebraska offensive line next.
1: And we're back. Fellas, so, we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio
2: presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: Yes! That's awesome.
2: Back with you, at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to a Husker a Hall of Famer, All-American, and part of that vaunted pipeline, 1994 national champion. Rob Zadiska with us. Dr. Rob joins us. Rob, how's your, your weekend? Uh, you doing okay? Thanks for a few minutes.
4: It was a nice one. We, uh, You know, I, we got a cabin up by North Bend, Nebraska. And, oh, nice. So we, were, we were up there doing some, I call it yard work, but it's like shoveling sand from <laughs> one place to another. It's just one of those sand pits right uh-huh. off the Platte River. No, nothing fancy, but it's kind of a nice little escape every so often. Hey, so. and you
2: can get to the cabin, man. You put your feet up, soak the sun in. You, you feel like
4: you went someplace, but you don't have to travel that much to <laughs>
2: do so. <laughs> well, Rob, I want to have you put on your, your, your surgical hat real quick, and let's talk a little bit here about what's been going on in college football before we talk offensive line and position groups for Nebraska. I want to kind of get your take on just your comfort level and just your outlook with college football 2020. You've had a number of programs, including Nebraska. And Nebraska has been really smart. I mean, I think they've handled things well. They have staggered kids coming in. At the same time, you look at K-State. They've had a spike in cases. Oklahoma State, Texas, LSU, Clemson. I mean, you see uh, COVID-19 cases popping up all over the country and increasing around the country. Are you pumping the brakes on your optimism that we'll have a season? Are you thinking and things are okay. Where are you at right now, from a medical standpoint?
4: You know, I guess I've always had kind of a cautious optimism. Now, at okay. the same time, too, again, you do look at kind of some of these test cases where you're, where you mentioned a number of them. I know, oh. like Clemson and LSU, are a couple of the big programs yeah. where they've had the, the spike of cases within guys on the team. Now, it doesn't seem like, at least from what's hit in the media, it doesn't sound like there's been a lot of mm-hmm. severity to them. So it's not like you're. you're seeing, hey, we've got 21 or 23 cases and... 10 of them are in the hospital and 5 of them are in the ICU. You're not hearing that. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I truly expect these numbers to increase. And when you look at COVID, it's kind of one of these these situations where you put a group of people in a bit of a smaller proximity and that's where you see the big uptick mm-hmm. in cases. Food processing plants, the meatpacking plants in Nebraska, the nursing homes, things like that. That's, that's where you see these big explosions of cases, when you see people in large group gatherings, that's where you see the explosion in cases. All it takes is, man, you get one or two positives in a group of 100 guys. It's going to be hard to shut that off. And now I think Nebraska's done a good job with it. I would like to think these schools free are seeing the big numbers popping up, like Clemson's the one that everybody kind of keeps going back to. You, you would hope that they had same or similar precautions in place and it was purely just kind of a happenstance that all it took was one exposure and then it spreads to 20, 30, 40 guys all of a sudden. I think Nebraska's done it right. I think they've tried to do it right but in truth the reality is, is all it takes is for one guy to bring that virus in and all of a sudden you've got 20 guys same boat as with these other schools that have had the outbreaks. In terms of how it's going to play out long term, man, we just don't know. This is still Mm. kind of a, in terms of the knowledge base, this is still kind of a day by day, week by week in terms of how it's playing out. I'm still fairly optimistic, but you are seeing an uptick across the country as all these different states kind of start relaxing restrictions and start opening back up again. And the question be how many people are severely affected and how mu- how much is this going to actually affect the healthcare system. The, the original flattening the curve, it wasn't necessarily meant to prevent people from getting infected, period. It was meant to, hey, let's slow the rush on the healthcare system mm-hmm. so we don't overwhelm it all at once. I'll be curious to see if that happens, if we get this big spike in cases as we reopen and you get that overwhelming of the healthcare system and and right now so far we've been okay but there's still a lot of unknowns and that absolutely applies to how this is going to affect sports going forward this fall.
2: Rob Zadiska is with us, Husker Standout All-American and uh, Doctor Rob Zadiska. It's one thing to to be infected, it's another thing to God forbid you're in the hospital in intensive care. I mean that's very scary and it's unfortunate that some folks have, have had to deal with that. It just takes that one interaction like you touched on and it's sounds like down in manhattan for k-state with with them as an example where you go to one party and next thing you know there's 15 guys on the team that that have it the other side of this rob folks are going to get infected kids are going to get this it's not great to get but if you're going to get it is it better for college football for kids to get it now versus as we are trying to inch closer to kickoff in september if you frame it in the light of Let's get a season it's in. <laughs> going to happen,
4: yeah. If we're going to go through this reopening, if we're going to give this a try this year in 2020, if we're going to try and see if we can't put these sports seasons out there, I would say it's a lot better. Let's let's test run it now and see what happens is there going to be a degree of herd immunity that builds up? Do you catch this, get antibodies, and then you're going to have this degree of immunity? Now, those are still questions that don't have a great answer. In truth, it probably does confer some degree of of immunity, but at the same time, they're also finding that antibody levels tend to drop actually surprisingly quickly with this particular virus. It's, It's not not something where, you're, where where the antibodies stick around, and when you look at places that have done a wide-scale reopening, Sweden's a great test case country because they, they didn't do a lot of restrictions from the get-go, and for a country of its size, they had tons of numbers of cases, it, it's still a little bit questionable how much immunity actually gets conferred. By this, but by, by those antibodies that your body creates to this virus, and so uh, the ideal would be we do this, bunch of guys, bunch of young, healthy guys get it. Knock on wood, nobody's injured or yeah. severely affected by it. They get over it, and we roll on into the football season with this huge amount of herd immunity amongst college athletes. I mean that, that would be the that would be the ideal case. We don't know if that's going to happen yet. Though. We don't have a test case for this. It's the line that kind of gets used frequently, and there's a lot of truth to this, is we're flying the airplane while we're building it. And that's what we're going to have to find out with this is, are we going to run through the, the next couple of months here, end of June, July, early August? I will be shocked if pretty much everybody, every sports team doesn't come down with a large number of cases. I just don't see that not happening. And the idea would be, it's like, well, let's see if that happens. We get through it, and then we play on into the fall after everybody's recovered. And that, Like I said, that would be the ideal situation.
2: Rob, we'll get to football. I want one more medical thought from you. Rob Zadiska with us, Hale Varsity Radio. You've been in medicine a long time, and when this first came on the radar, what was your reaction? Like, I remember with... When, when march hit right i 'm getting ready for state tournament games, and oh no, right i mean the 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 United States comes to a screeching halt u n m c the medical community in nebraska you 're a part of is is phenomenal, so i wasn 't like super worried uh, maybe i 'm just overly optimistic, but you as a medical practitioner man as a guy that 's done the school, you know the science you're educated, you 're educated you provide care to people what what did you think when when here's this virus from China that's rolling in
4: i was you know the initially it was a little the initial hope was is that this would be something like the salt the the, 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 the like the first sars like the sure. sars one outbreak several mm-hmm. years ago and then you had the the uh, the MERS virus outbreak, and, and those were those were actually very very lethal viruses. Mm-hmm. So those, truth be told, they kind of killed you before you had a chance to spread it. Okay. Um, when you look at the numbers, nation or not named not well nationwide, but worldwide as well, that SARS one outbreak. Um, I'd have to go back and look for the exact numbers, but I think there was just shy of 10,000 total cases worldwide. And that was a huge deal at the time, and partly because it was so fatal. I mean, it had a, it had about a 10% fatality rate. So if you got it, you had about a 1 in 10 chance you're you're going to die. Mm. So, but it stayed very it was very localized in in certain locations very little spread and then it was kind of poof it was one of those things that just kind of went away Mm -hmm. same thing with MERS which affected even fewer people I think that was around 4 or 5 thousand total cases worldwide the hope was that this was going to be something like this hey this is going to hit this really set group of people a set defined population here or there and then it's going to kind of poof sort of disappear and hopefully we don't see this crap again for several decades. Mm. Um, And this has not proven to be like that. This has been much more like your standard influenza A, influenza B that kind of comes around, hits all populations to some degree, and then lingers for months. And that's kind of what we're seeing with this. Mm. Um, And so it it, it kind of... I was... Like I said, initially, I was kind of optimistic this was going to be something where when this popped up in March is one of those like, whoa, we need to shut everything down and we need to do it now. And hopefully by May, maybe June at the latest, this thing's going to be gone. That hasn't happened. So it's disappointed to say the least. And I think from a medical standpoint, hugely disappointed in terms of how this has affected the worldwide population. It's it, At this point in time, and this is kind of the, I don't mean to be sort of doom and gloom on this, I don't see and I don't think most of the experts see a defined endpoint. And that's kind of the scary thing with this is that you talk to most of those, the infectious disease experts, the epidemiologists, there's really not a good, hard, solid, defined endpoint and that's why I think getting a vaccine out is kind of is going to be kind of a very important aspect to this is because one of the things that I think really lends to influenza A and B having kind of that defined, quote unquote, flu season is because so many people do get a flu shot or get a flu vaccine every year. You do have a little bit of a true herd immunity from that, um, now, that being said, influenza still kills anywhere from thirty to 70,000 Americans every year. And so it's still a pretty bad disease, although it doesn't get, it kind of gets short shrift in terms of how people view it. Um, but we have a little bit of a defined start and, and a, a season of influenza. We don't have that with this yet. And so that's, that, that's always a little disconcerting.
1: And now... And now,
2: back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rob, you going to switch to football. Nebraska has a lot of experience back on the offensive line. Hymas, uh, options at left guard. There'll be a position battle there. Juergens at center. What's Matt Farniak looking at moving into a guard. Uh, you played tackle. I'm sure you've spent a little time at guard in your career, in your different spots in your career, but give me a, a thought what Matt's up against now that he can't do it. It's just a different look. And then also, what's what's the, the, the learning curve for for Bryce Benhart or a Turner Corcoran at the right tackle spot? You know, at least as far
4: as moving to guard, I mean, Farniok, he started, I thought it was as a redshirt freshman. I think I you're he right. Played yeah. or, he played a few games at guard as a redshirt fresh. He's been there before. For. so this isn't going to be completely foreign to him. I, I think in terms of his overall skill set, mm-hmm. I, I think guard's a little bit of a more natural position for him. I think he's one of those guys who he'll always be a eh, he's he's a serviceable right tackle. Mm-hmm. It's not one of these, oh yeah, this guy's got that spot locked down and this is a great right tackle. This is the next Zach Wiegert at right tackle that's not Farnia. he he's he's serviceable at right tackle I, I think some of his lateral movement and his ability to take on kind of the good combo defensive ends, mm-hmm. the guys like Epinessa from Iowa, those guys that have that nice combination, that 6'6, 280, 290, but can still move, he struggles with those guys. You give him the, the 6'3, 240-pound defensive end, he's going to be fine. You give him the 6'4, 320-pound defensive end, who's maybe not a super fast guy, he's going to be fine. You you give him that prototypical Bosa Epinesa (laughs) NFL caliber defensive end, which I mean, obviously those guys give everybody trouble, but he's going to struggle with that a little bit. I think you move him into guard and where that lateral movement doesn't have to be as big of an issue, you've got less space to cover. I I think he's going to do much better at that spot. For a guy like Ben Hart, you got a guy who's been primarily a tackling I think it's a much more nat- same with Cork much more natural offensive tackle. I think they're used to moving in space I think they got a little bit better range a little bit, bit longer arms. When, when you think of some of those physical attributes I, I'm not saying Farniak's not a great a- great athlete I think he's an outstanding athlete. I think Ben Hart's a better athlete. Wow. I think for a guy his size, I think Ben Hart moves better. I think he's got better better lateral movement. I think he has a little bit better overall feet than Farniak has. And I think that's gonna make him better suited to hold down that tackle spot. Corcoran, I you know, truth be told, outside of some all star game film and then mm-hmm. like the the huddle films, I, I haven't watched him as much as I've watched Ben Hart. And when you look at Ben Hart, you got a guy who ended up getting some pretty solid game time last year. I I'm still I'm a huge fan of the four game rule for yeah. For, for people being able to redshirt. I think that's the greatest thing ever. We can, we can go back and look and see how Ben Hart did last year, and I thought he held his own. And so for, for a true freshman last year to be able to do that in limited game time, I thought that was pretty impressive. I, I'm excited to see what a guy like him could do. You look at that other guard spot where you're probably going to have, I mean, initially it's going to be Wilson and Hicks, and I think fighting it out for that one. Uh I think I think Hickson might actually have the edge there a little bit in terms of both size and technique. Uh, but don't don't sleep on Ethan Piper either. I mean, you got a guy. What do you I like think,
2: about Ethan? I mean, because people kind of rave about him.
4: I think yeah, it's kind of the Ben Hart thing. Okay. I think he's a little bit better natural athlete, and I think he has a little bit better raw raw size and strength. Okay when I watch what he 's able to do, when you watch him play his his natural strength is just better I'll, i i 've watched him, and when you see clips of him again in a lot of it's with piper it, mm-hmm. it's it 's kind of like the huddle film that kind of stuff it 's interesting to me because when I see him get out of position where maybe okay, he hit a guy, his technique wasn 't perfect. Maybe he didn't didn't have his shoulders low enough. Maybe he didn't get as good a hip hip and knee bend on a p- particular play. You'll see him able to compensate with just kind of raw strength. And so he's got kind of that as a backup where a guy like Hickson, he's a big, strong kid. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we're kind of splitting hairs mm-hmm. here. I mean, when you're talking 300-pound weightlifters, they're all big, strong guys. It's just on occasion when I saw Hickson or Wilson get out of position, you could see, you'd could you see him get beat more frequently than if I saw like a guy like the tape I've watched of Piper. I've watched him get out of position, and all of a sudden he'll just manhandle a guy with raw strength and raw athleticism. And that's something I saw with Jurgens as well, too, is that he was able to compensate for uh, – a lot of inexperience, mm-hmm. just by the fact that he's a real, really explosive athlete. Same thing with Piper. Same thing with Ben Hart, It's that those guys who can kind of, uh, you know, what he did, he didn't have the best technique on that play, and he still beat his guy just because he's kind of a freak of nature athlete.
2: Rob Zadisko um, with his son, Hale Varsity. Rob, no last thought here on the O line as a as a collection. Do you feel pretty good about this group? I mean, could it be the strength for Nebraska this year on the offense?
4: Boy, I, I don't know. And okay. The reason I say that is that, again, I think in terms of personnel, we're moving towards, quote-unquote, the right personnel. I think we're moving towards the right talent level. When I look at these guys, it reminds me a lot of what we had on the offensive line back in 91-92. Okay. Which, in reality, I think we you had some great, great players. Now, we also had guys like Will Shields, uh-huh. who were college and NFL Hall of Famers, too, and Zach Wiegert, and Brendan Stye, and Aaron Graham. And you, you had a whole slew of guys who were true All-Americans and NFL future NFL guys, so it, it's a little bit different. But when I look at 91-92, the thing I saw was you had a lot of redshirt freshmen, redshirt sophomores that were stepping up, and, and that's kind of what gelled into those offensive lines of 94, 95, 6, 7, 99, et cetera. 91 was still a little bit of a, hey, we think we've hit on something here personnel-wise, But it still took a couple years for that to kind of gel. And and I think that's, that's where I look at with these guys right now. If you want a comparison, that's kind of what it looks like to me in my head. Is that, okay, they're getting the personnel they need. They're getting the people in the spots they need. They're getting the talent level they need. I still think this group's probably another year or two away from being something
2: special. Rob Zadiska with us. Rob, this was awesome, man. Thanks for checking in on the offensive line, and thanks for your medical expertise and thoughts on, on college football and COVID moving forward. We'll get to football season soon enough, man, and we'll get caught up again. How's that sound? Absolutely. Gotta love the good doctor, Dr. Rob Zadiska, great player for Nebraska and uh esteemed member of the medical community up in Omaha. Uh, great insight from him on what we're up against with COVID and just his take on it. And then great expertise and thoughts on the O-line. I mean, something's brewing. Uh, and he's so right about when can this line gel? You're still working on Couple of starter spots, but overall, that talent levels at such a high, high level. We'll wind down our one next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Pretty awesome scene uh, on NASCAR. Their race yesterday postponed due to weather moved today, and everybody on the track walking next to, behind, in front of Bubba Wallace—a sign and show of solidarity. Some thoughts from Marty Smith coming up on uh, NASCAR's search for the culprit who left that noose in uh, Bubba Wallace's garage. Uh, We'll spend some time on that. Charlie McBride's 10 minutes away. May get into some NFL as well on Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Reminder, one out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed or high, never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working around the clock to stop with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols as a driver make that correct choice a non-alcoholic drink or a pre-selected designated driver be smart start the conversation who's driving home brought to you by the nebraska department of highway safety office real good long-form chat with rob zadiska his take on things medically with football covid and uh, the the forge forward, so a 2020 season gets in. His outlook and then some great thoughts just on, you know, what you have in a guy like Ethan Piper at left guard, what you're getting back with Hickson and Bo Wilson, uh, Farniok's skill set and high-level athleticism at right guard. And, of course, uh, Ben Hart, what wowed him in that short window of four games last season, and even Turner Corcoran, couple of high-level athletes. So the, the next thing here is, is you've got the bodies. And I know Hymas and I know Forney are two seniors. But long-term projection, uh, Rob Zadiska kind of compared him to how that O-line built, 91, 92. And then you know what happened with 93 through 95, right? You had the pipeline uh, get a couple of years together, and then you had Aaron Graham remi- remaining from, uh, from, 90, from that 94 pipeline, he had four new starters, but man, were they ready to be an incredible offensive line on that 1995 football team. Coach Austin's got a lot of talent to work with, and I think he's putting some good work in with those kids. They're uh, they're getting the, the athletes and the recruits they want. Now they're going to get the development and coaching, and I think brighter days ahead for Nebraska's O-line in the Big Ten. That's been a long time of coming, probably since back to the Searles O-line.
0: And the, the interesting thing to me, I don't want to look too far ahead, but Turner Corcoran played the first couple of spring practices at guard. Mm-hmm. That's where they had him. So he came in as a tackle, now they're at guard, so it kind of makes, begs the question, is he going to be maybe a left tackle down the road? Is he going to be a right guard? Because if you get, I mean, two years down the line, you got Ethan Piper left guard, you'd assume, Cam Juergen center, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have Bryce Benhart right tackle, and then you have Turner Corcoran either right guard or left tackle which it pretty much leaves one hole on the line we need somebody to step up and fill it but it, it, the line looks good for the future it looks like there's promise
2: there no it, it you know it does and i think there's and think of the kids that are on on the, uh, the the board right now that have verbally committed mm-hmm. on the offensive line. Yeah, uh, Prashka and yeah, for Yeah, for yeah. 2021. We'll tell you about a new commit from uh, Iowa Western Community College. Uh, Greg Smith is all over that. Another defensive back for Coach Fisher's room. Pretty long and lanky dude. Uh, Moore is his last name and uh, looks – Pretty nice, pretty nice addition for Nebraska. I'm all good with going JUCO route, man, if you can get the frame you want and the seasoning you like. Uh, good on Nebraska. We'll, we'll know more. We'll talk with Charlie McBride, get his take on what a senior season could look like for Ben Stilley. And uh, more thoughts here from uh, Mr. Blackshirt. A Monday with Charlie, next hour to Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Back with you, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, Charlie McBride here shortly, Mondays with Charlie. Coming up, Rob Zadiska, Husker Standout, and uh, Dr. Dr. Rob. Thoughts on football and COVID and dealing with that as you move forward with a number of positive tests uh, around uh, different college football communities. NASCAR thoughts uh, with uh, Bubba Wallace and uh, NASCAR in search of finding uh, the culprit who left a noose in uh, Wallace's garage. 466-3776, 3776 800-825-5865. Darius Moore, uh, the newest uh, commit for Nebraska football. He's a walk-on. He'll... Get to campus this summer. He's a defensive back out of Iowa Western uh, Community College. And uh, Moore is 6'2", 180. And uh, really good length. I really, and you've, we've all kind of paid attention to, to Iowa Western. Their college football program's really solid. And uh, for Nebraska to get uh, a guy that is from that school and uh, able to, to kind of make the cut. I mean, Nebraska has not just taken everyone and their buddies uh, to walk on. It's, it's a position of need because, as you've heard Nebraska folks say for a long time, uh, and, and Barry Alvarez say, quite frankly, the walk-ons are, are your erasers in the program if you make a misstep or a guy's just not able to develop or there's an issue – With uh, contributions by a scholarship guy, you pray that you get a guy that's a that's a Macavica or an I am hip or uh, a Jared Tomich. Right. That are scholarship uh, level dudes that end up walking on for whatever reason. And they thrive and end up uh, not only contributors, but all conference performers. So we'll see if we can't get a hold of Charlie McBride. What's the, uh, the latest here? Uh, I've tried his home phone and his cell phone, and I've gotten uh, answering machine on both. Hmm. Okay, so maybe we, uh, maybe we we get Coach McBride here in a little bit. I, I hope that works. Yeah, out. I was looking forward to an update in the weather up in Michigan today. Well, I, I'm I'm guessing it's sunny and beautiful. Um, so, have you uh, tried Mrs. Blackshirt? I have not. Yeah, do that. that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be good so we'll try uh charlie mcbride Derek peterson's going to join us here in a little bit and we're not far removed from the zoom meeting with coach frost and what nebraska has in store for them first and foremost you have uh you pray that the kids are healthy and safe and, and that there's no outbreak or issue with covid uh we told you about what's going on with kansas state and clemson and lsu so right now, Nebraska's offensive line is is one thing to to really look forward to for this 2020 season. Um, you have a, a good situation where you got some time with a Ben Hart, and he got those four games, and you heard Rob Zadis could touch on just how well Ben Hart performed in his four games. Now, you don't get the spring practices. You don't get um, – the 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 time for him to further that development. That's a tough situation. Uh, that furthers his ability to to get the audibles, understand what's going on, and and apply that in real time when you're on the field through more practices. Get to bowl games, yeah, that'll happen soon for Nebraska football. We all think uh, when it comes to applying what what you you had that little cup of coffee with in-game action, you want to stack it with practices. But so far, so good when you look at a guy like Ben Hart, his little foray into right tackle, even at a super young age, you still keep that red shirt. And that right side could be pretty devastating. I like what Nebraska has potentially on the left side. They got to settle in as to who can win that left guard above all I mean, you you got to love what Nebraska potentially has depth-wise. And, and they're, they're high on Brant Banks on the left side. Hickson responded really well after a, kind of a stumble and a misstep where he wasn't playing as well. He responded well. you got to love his character with that. But Wilson's played a lot of football. And you heard Rob Zaniska describe Ethan Piper's upside ceiling strength. Uh, is is at a very very high level. Jurgen's big time. And then I want to talk a minute here about your buddy Brock Bando because I know Brock played with you at Southeast yes, for a little bit before going to IMG and then ended up in Lincoln. And I thought Brock did a really nice job when asked to come in on the outside. He he has played some tackle. He's back at a at a, at a projected guard spot. Tell me what you think of Brock here behind Farniak because Brock's a junior, right? Mm -hmm. So I think what you're going to see, you're going to see the five best from Austin moving forward, clearly. But then the hope is to get more in-game work for these guys. Start being up on teams, let's hope, if you're a Nebraska fan, where you can get some of the backups in and they can get some more time. Uh, With Brock kind of focusing on that right guard spot, that's another option behind Farniak. I think people forget forget Brock is a hometown kid. It's, it's not that
0: Brock was here for a couple years, went to Southeast and went to IMG. I mean, he was raised outside Lincoln, just outside Lincoln, and lived most of his life here, went to IMG uh, for that college recruiting attention and still picked Nebraska over schools like Vanderbilt in Florida and a lot of good Southern schools. So I think people forget that. I mean, he was a, a pretty touted recruit around here. And when he came in, uh, I think he had some definitely physical development to do. And you see the move to guard as opposed to tackle the lateral quickness. I don't think it was always there, um, but Brock really impressed me in his few games that he got in last year. I know he started the second half against Minnesota, mm-hmm. as well as uh, getting some playing time against Rutgers, I know, uh, a lot towards the end of the season. He impressed me, but th- that left guard battle just in general is going to be fun, because uh, you got multiple hometown kids battling out. Trent Hickson's from uh, just out of Scott. Omaha. Scott, yeah. And then you have Brock Bando playing there, too. Uh, so... I'm personally excited for this left guard battle because it's really anyone's uh, job to be had. I know Bo Wilson's going to have to move from right to left. That's more difficult than I think a lot of people give that credit for.
2: you got to learn um, the steps and the I mean, movements. It's and- completely
0: flipping your body movement. Instead of mm-hmm. taking a left step, you're not taking a right step or vice versa. It's. I'd say, um, I guess I have limited upper-level offensive line experience. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, moving from left tackle to left guard is a lot easier than moving from left tackle to right tackle.
2: Yeah, I mean, to, to completely flip your movements is pretty tough. We'll see if we can't run Charlie down. We'll have more thoughts on NASCAR. Derek Peterson's coming up. So our, our friend uh, Bill Bender has put out uh, a list here when it comes to pressure and the, the, the dreaded hot seat college football coaches facing facing the hottest seats and the most pressure in 2020 so when you use the term hot seat uh, it means that you better win or you're done and when it comes to pressure here there's a difference between pressure and and hot seat you've got some programs that that now have coaches that have, have been at their their new school for a couple of three years, and and Scott Frost is a part of that group. So is Coach Herman down at Texas, right? Th- those are the two that, that you think of. And you want to see if your program's going in the right direction. And listen, the, the honest-to-God truth is this. Not everybody is going to pull a Saban where you win it in year three. Not everyone's going to pull a, uh, a James Franklin where it pops it honestly and and, and as good as franklin and penn state have been with their defense and their offense and and finding skill guys and how quickly penn state's resurrected post joe paul okay i mean we're we're nine years removed from that joke from that coach that joke that program sandusky all of that they got lucky with the mid-major high, not mid-major, but the 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 holding pattern higher of Bill O'Brien, who wanted to go to the NFL. He loaded Penn State, Penn State up and went went hit on all those recruits in a limited recruiting cycle. This the, the Saquon Barclays of the world, okay, or the Godwins, or uh, pick pick. Some of the guys you watch on Sundays from Penn State in the NFL during the time O'Brien was there or that Franklin inherited. Now, Franklin went out and has made his own. Hey, he's done very, very well. But if they don't get that that blocked kick and in, 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 in return for a touchdown and upset number one, Ohio State, they're probably a little bit better than than their seven and six number Franklin's first two years. But it took an improbable collapse by Ohio state and Penn state had a lot to do with that for them to springboard and go win the big 10 and finish 11 and two and go to a Rose bowl and lose in a shootout to a really good USC team. Uh, I mean, urban and, and Saban are it. I mean, Dabo was still teetering in year three, not that he wasn't the guy, but Clemson didn't become Clemson until year six, year five, year six, okay? Where they're where they're knocking on that playoff door. Uh, look at Michigan State, case in point, how long it took Dantonio to build up. And Nebraska's still in, in the building process here, but when it comes to to facing pressure and the hot seat, there there is a difference. The pressure is all right, you've been here two years, what's your three look like? And I think with Nebraska and what, what Rob Zadiska was telling us earlier Great. You've got returning starters. You've got some names you know. Good. The offensive line should be better. Nebraska should be able to run the football. Nebraska should be able to protect their quarterback. Great. You have a a slew of receivers. Wonderful. But it doesn't just click and happen. There's still some work to do on the offensive line. But when it comes to to hot seat and coaches, I absolutely believe that that Clay Helton is on the hot seat. If they're 2-2 and by week five, he's gone. Uh, Kevin Sumlin, man, he did well at Houston. He did great with Johnny Football. He's been a mess wherever he's gone. Will Muschamp. I mean, they're still trying to find the next Spurrier down there. And then Chip Kelly. And, and things, it's been insult to injury with Chip because his players don't even really, it looks like, like playing for the guy. I mean, he's 7-17, seven and 17 and the offense hasn't been. So when it comes to coaches that that aren't, on the hot seat, but there's kind of a prove it type mentality. And you heard Lars Anderson talk about this with us last week or a couple weeks ago. When it comes to pressure, there was pressure on Tom Herman. Tom Herman was eight and five. That's coming off a ten win Sugar Bowl win over Georgia. They 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 fell down. They still chase they're still chasing Oklahoma. And Texas has eleven losses by eight points or fewer. Under Herman, yeah. Can you win close games? And Frost is next on this list. Uh, and you've got the, the close losses for Nebraska. We detailed those. Voges has detailed those from Nebraska Nebraska's 9-15. And, and then you look at somebody else in your own division at a program you don't think is better than you if you're a Nebraska fan. But damn, how good was Minnesota last year in year three? You've got that just in your own division year three. So there's some pressure there to take a step forward, get to a bowl game, and win some close games. Because the Big Ten isn't getting any easier. If
0: you go back to this time last year, there was the same talk of, we'll prove it with P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I encourage people. And he people, sure as hell proved it for a year. Yeah, last night I went and watched that Nebraska 2018 game against Minnesota. we killed like, him. Them. Killed him. Blowout. And you go look at that depth chart, and there are still – players who made good contributions to that Minnesota team last year that played in that game. You got Antoine Winfield, you got Rashad Bateman, you got Guys Tyler all off the place on Sundays now. Yeah,
2: guys all off on Sundays and they struggled in that Nebraska game. It just took a year. It just took another year to develop. Well, and, and don't, I mean, Fleck blew out his defensive coordinator. <laughs> Are you making the comparison to no, Nebraska I am not a new offensive coordinator? No, I'm saying Fleck Fleck changed defensive coordinators. Mm. I, either before the Nebraska game or after the Nebraska game or shortly thereafter. And Minnesota's season was so different with momentum because they won at Wisconsin, okay? They won their bowl game. They finished with seven wins in year two. And then this this last year was really nice. They didn't finish as strong, but they had a tougher schedule down the stretch. They still got the home win, the, the home validation win over Penn State. They won a big game, against a really good Penn State team last year. They they got worked by uh, Wisconsin. They lost to Iowa, but they still won their bowl game against somebody from the SEC. Was it Auburn? I don't remember, but they went 11-2. and They crushed Nebraska. So yeah, that year three payoff is very real. Jimbo Fisher's on this list. Manny Diaz uh, is kind of in that prove-it category. He had one year with the Canes. Uh, six and seven was his Record Miami just keeps botching their hires. They've got a bunch of dudes down there that can play ball, and they never ever stick the landing with the hire. They just don't. They haven't. They've been searching for the right guy, and it's been a revolving door. Jimbo Fisher and AM's one and seven against top 10 teams the last two seasons. Again, there's your theme when it comes to prove it. It's not that you're not building the program the right way. It's not that you're not recruiting at a high level. It's how are you doing against your peers, and are you winning big games? You can't leave off a prove-it list from our friend Bill Bender at the Sporting News without Jim Harbaugh. So the prove-it coaches for 2020, Frost and Harbaugh and Jimbo Fisher and Tom Herman, those are the guys that are on the list along with Manny Diaz. Uh, That's fair. you got to think...
0: Tom Herman's probably got the hottest seat of any of those guys. He, now He's I, I,
2: got I, Sam Mellinger, a Heisman candidate, and he went 8-5 and five last year. Dude, uh, listen. The, the one thing that you got to give these guys, the difference between the, the fan base screaming for better results in a quicker timeline versus the reality of what you have, what you're inheriting, what you're trying to build, you can't keep hitting reset. These guys have time, and they'll, they'll see what they can do this next season.
1: Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity
2: Radio. Right here back in, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. We say hi to Derek Peterson from hailvarsity.com and magazine at Dr. PDHV on Twitter's where you find him. Derek, what's up, man? How are you?
5: All right, I'm driving. Uh, been driving all day, but listening to Elton John uh, before you called me, so I can't complain.
2: Good enough. Uh, what we got the greatest hits going? Do we just have a mix on your phone? What do we? What do we? What kind of Elton are we tapping uh, into? Uh, well,
5: well, I mean, right now I'm just going to sound like basic because i was listening to Rocket Man. But uh, we've had a, a wide ranging uh, playlist over the last five and a half hours that I've been driving.
2: Where do you rate Candle in the Wind?
5: Um, I certainly prefer 5,000 Candles in the Wind from Parks and Rec If they made that into an actual song I would prefer it more than the, uh, the original
2: Oh, come on now Candle in the Wind doesn't just get you
5: 5,000 Candles in the Wind gets me Okay well. Bye Bye Little Sebastian
2: Sure, uh, I can tell you more about Elton
5: <laughs> I, was, I was too I, I kid you not I was too belting that line Bye Bye Little Sebastian Get hmm. me every
2: time well, then we'll tear up together. Okay, Are you not uh, a Parks and Rec fan? You know, Junior's gotten into it. I I have seen a little bit of it. It's not that I dislike it; I just haven't locked uh, in okay. on it. I, I'm, okay, I'm so sure that's it's why money. You don't know what I'm talking about. No, I'm I'm Great. following along, uh, trying okay. to. So okay. I've, I've appreciated your uh, your nice work with HailVarsity as always, sir. And personnel decisions. Uh, you, you posted this story. Uh, yesterday, and you know, when you look at the offensive line here, Hymas is kind of your, your known, and, and Juergen's upside and kind of the way he finished out last season is is very encouraging. We talked with Rob Zadiska last hour, you know, former Husker O-lineman, and so he gave some pretty good insight to not just the depth Nebraska has, but also what what they have for those position battles, and what what's your take on left guard here? If if you were to give me a favorite and a dark horse, where where would you go with your picks? Because you got three good good candidates there for that left guard spot next to to Hymas and Jerkins.
5: Yeah, well, Rob's probably going to give you a little bit better analysis than I'll give you. But um, the three guys that I looked at in that that piece that I wrote for my Monday column was um, I. I, I Maybe it's nothing. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But having Farniak, Matt Farniak, over on the right side taking the right guard, I just kind of wonder what the plan is with Bo Wilson mm-hmm. because you know, like I don't, I don't, I didn't think coming out of last season that that any guy on the offensive line was going to have a set in stone starting position um, at the beginning of fall camp. Maybe Cam Jurgens is the closest. Brennan Heinis is the closest, but um, like. Their guard play last year, it was, it was okay. It wasn't great. Not, not to the, the point where somebody like Bo, who is a senior, is going to play because he's a senior. And um, I, I think they liked Trent Hickson. Um, obviously liked him enough before the season even started to put him on scholarship. He had that spot locked up before, um, before the season started. Well, before the season started. And, and so I just kind of wonder. It, it, it's obviously those two guys because those are the two returning starting guards. Uh, if Farniok sticks at right guard through fall camp, and Ben Hart is able to win the job at right tackle, um, i, I don 't know maybe Hickson is the favorite, and Bo is right there with him. I think Ethan Piper should be a, a a wild card, a dark horse kind of guy because if you just look at if you just look at their usage, like I was thinking back to when I wrote my column, I was thinking back to Justin McGriff, and he comes to Nebraska um, and after that first year. They're moving him to outside linebacker because this is before he transferred. They're moving him to outside linebacker because they're like, this is, this is where you're going to be able to get on the field faster. Mm-hmm. That, that tends to be their kind of MO. They're not, they're not just like moving guys willy-nilly. If, if they're moving positions, it's because they think that they're going to be a better player and can, can get on the field faster at that new position. Case in point, Cam Jergens. Um So I wonder about Ethan Piper. You know, he, he came to Nebraska as a defensive lineman, and they moved him to offensive line, and, and you know, they I mean it. They knew that they were going to lose all three of their defensive line starters the next offseason. Like, they knew that the defensive line was going to be in a state of flux, and Tony Chuyoti says he wants eight guys in the defensive line. Um, if you're moving Ethan Piper to the offensive line, it's because he's going to play, not yeah. because – you know, you're going to move him there and then you're going to bury him uh, because he, he probably might have played on the defensive line or at least been a rotation piece. So I wonder if maybe he, he if he had a chance to crack the two deep with fall camp. Obviously, when you're talking about all the young guys, they would have needed spring ball. Like Turner Corcoran, I think, um, on the, the first day, of or after the first day of spring practice, I think it was, it was either Frost or someone said that Corcoran was working as a backup guard. And maybe if they have spring ball, he has a chance to carve out a a nice role for himself in the two deep. But um, without spring ball, you know, Ben Hart, I don't think it's a given that Ben Hart wins right tackle. Um, I think it's close. Like, I think it's pretty good odds that he's the right tackle, Mm -hmm. but it's certainly not a given. Um, And, you know, I, I just think, between Hickson and, and Bo Wilson, um, it's, it's going to be an interesting battle. And, and the thing that I kind of wrote was Greg Austin said, they're going to play the best five guys. And he says that a lot. And he said that since he got here, that they're just going to play the best five linemen. Um, and I wonder how this, this loss of spring ball, this adjusted off season and fall camp and preseason training, I wonder if that changes the best, terminology to safest Mm -hmm. Um, safest might be the senior and Paul Wilson just not gonna make mistakes Um, I don't know left guard is gonna be interesting
2: from a from an outlook to to where the O-line can be can it be the the best O-line Nebraska's had since Frost got here or I mean I I think the best line they had was probably probably 18 there was some works in progress for last season can can they take that step? Rob was wondering how quickly they can gel, and from a from a projection standpoint, as far as the timeline of where this line is now, he kind of compared it to some of the early '90s lines where they've got the athletes and the ball players and the talent. They just got to work together for some time because they could. Be, he thinks they could be really, really good.
5: Yeah, they could be. I mean, they have the guys. They, you have two seniors. You're going to have one on either other side. You have a center that you feel is, is uh, an award-winning kind of center in his future. And mm-hmm. I mean, they should be. They need them to be really good because winning in the Big Ten means winning in the trenches, right? Um, Nebraska needs a better run game this year. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I think the offense is going to need time. Like I think the offense is not going to come out against Purdue and look great. I don't think Purdue's offense is going to look great. I don't think many teams in the country are going to look great over the first couple of weeks, and Nebraska specifically. Uh, like you said, they're, they're going to need time to gel. And that offensive line, like it's in a weird spot because they return all five starters from last year, but they're moving pieces around and they're in a little bit of flux and you don't know who's going to be where and, um, you know, Maybe maybe it's a, a, a an issue and or or I shouldn't say issue. Maybe it's um, you know the, the the state of flux that they're in impacts um, their cohesiveness on day one on snap one, and uh, maybe it doesn't. I don't know, but Nebraska probably needs them to be pretty good. And look, they feel good about where they're at. They feel good about the guys they have in the room. Greg Austin feels really good about guys like Ben Hart and Turner Corcoran, and. Um, you know they obviously love Brennan as Austin thought he could have been a draft pick. Um, you know they're they're building, but one thing that Austin said uh, at the roundtable and back in early March that has stuck with me is um, he talked about not having gaps on the O line. And this is something that like you look at what Wisconsin does, where a guy comes into their program and then you don't hear about him for three years, mm-hmm. and then when you know the the all conference right guard graduates and goes to the NFL, you have a fourth-year junior that comes and takes his place and is immediately a, you know, an all-conference caliber player uh, because they were afforded the time um, to, to grow and, and mature and Nebraska doesn't really have that luxury right now. Um, that's where they want to get to. That's the end goal. Uh, but this year is going to be interesting because you know they have a guy like Ben Hart who they think is going to be really, really, really good and a guy like Cam Jurgens who they think is going to be really, really good. But they've kind of had a gap year or a couple gap years, so to speak, and that they haven't had veterans that can afford those guys probably the time that they need to mature. Um, and they're kind of having to learn on the fly. And, and if Ben Hart is the guy at right tackle, you know, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he has, you know, like some, some early season jitters in the same way that, that Juergens had Juergens is on a different level. Cause he had to snap as well, sure. but and you, you get what I'm saying. Mm.
0: Derek I mean the Big Ten up in the trenches is such a grind we only got about 90 seconds here so it's got to be pretty concise but with just the depth behind these guys I mean you'll get injuries in Big Ten play with just how physical it is does Nebraska feel good about the depth behind guys like uh see uh Juergens and behind Hymas and uh and those guys
5: I think they feel optimistic about where they're at, but the, the depth that they have doesn't have a ton of experience, right? Like, you're talking about Aiden Piper and, um, you know, Brant Banks at, as a tackle, um, Will Farniok as a center. You're talking about, like, Brock Bando. Like, these are guys that don't have a ton of playing experience, so they feel optimistic. But it's one of those things where, like, I mean, you would hope that you don't lose Cam Jurgens right. to injury, and you would hope that you don't lose, like, Brendan Hines to injury.
2: All right, Dr. Petey's with us. Derek Peterson hitting on the O-line, the depth, the talent, and where that uh, line can be uh, if we get a 2020 season. Uh, are you in Oklahoma? Are you in Kansas? Are you just traveling around Nebraska? Where, where are you at now?
5: <laughs> I am in Oklahoma, um, getting ready to, uh, to get off the highway.
2: All right. Are you, uh, are you near Norman? Are you uh, near the hometown?
5: I'm near Oklahoma City, so my wife and her sister are having a procedure in a couple of weeks. And so I'm ah, back um, okay. to, to see her.
2: Well, hugs uh, to everybody down there, brother. You uh, stay safe and healthy appreciate and you. safe travels, man. Thanks for jumping on today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. All right, man, be good. There he is, Derek Peterson. Good write-up. Catch his call on com. Get the subscription if you whiffed on that for Father's Day. Apologies, but the yearbook will be in mailboxes and newsstands soon. Get the whole thing, yearbook, subscription, digital, subscription, all of it. It's cheap. It's easy. It's wonderful. It's worth it if you're a Nebraska fan. We'll get into some Bubba Wallace, some NASCAR thoughts. Hail Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: And now, and
2: now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, many thanks to Derek Peterson as he's traveling down to OKC. Good to hear from him, and uh, thoughts on the O line. Really uh, want you to check out what Doctor Rob Zadiska had to say earlier. Hour one, uh, the battle against COVID 19. If you're a college football program, Rob, uh, of course, uh, doctor and pretty smart dude when it comes to the medical community. And yeah, Rob knows his offensive line. So he gave us thoughts on that left guard battle and Ben Hart's uh, emergence at right tackle and what Farniak can do. He was pretty complimentary of just what type of athlete. Farniak Farniok is 466-377-6800-825-5865. No, some of you have been wanting to get in. We have been pretty loaded up uh, the last hour and a half. So open phones here the next 20 minutes before we say goodbye to a uh, Monday. So let's get into uh, Bubba Wallace. And first and foremost, just how awesome the site was at the race today in Talladega with NASCAR drivers and crew members, one and all, including the King Richard Petty, all in solidarity, all in uniformity, backing Bubba and walking next to, in front of, and behind him in his car as he was going around the track. The noose found in a stall of Bubba Bubba Wallace's garage in Alabama was horrific was menacing I don't know NASCAR dude I I, I've, I mean I've seen it I am not into it it's not that it's a bad sport it's just never captured my attention <clears throat> and I don't really lock into it I, if we do have to talk it it's let's call Lars Anderson up because Lars covered it for 15 years and was a premier writer. or I'll listen to Marty and McGee, Saturday mornings, and that's kind of their wheelhouse because that's where they've done most of their ESPN work. So they are kind of the two I will at least entertain. And listen, this isn't to hate on NASCAR, but you have a perception in NASCAR, you have an issue in NASCAR, and you have the Confederate flag that's been very prevalent in NASCAR, and that's not fair to nascar fans that's not fair to nascar drivers that's not fair to nascar owners but it's been the perception that it's a bunch of good old boys that hopes the south will rise again and that's that's not an accurate stereotype or an accurate depiction of the folks that are a part of the sport that cover the sport that that race and that are fans of the sport there's great people that are fans of nascar and they're as pissed off that some a-hole left the noose in Bubba Wallace's garage as anybody. What can you do as you're trying to turn the page of this perception problem on top of the viewership numbers and attendance challenges with COVID? So this is insult to injury that someone on Sunday put a noose in Bubba's garage the only black nascar driver you got it's not a been inclusive it's not been an inclusive sport they are working their butt off to try and be inclusive and guess what they were trying to be inclusive before they said no more confederate flag Uh, guess what they've said they've they've tried to be more inclusive uh working towards that before mr floyd died okay so nascar's been trying to have been proactive Lars anderson told us this week ago and and now this i guess i shouldn't be surprised but i am kind of surprised and i hope that they find this sob and it's code red time circa full metal jacket with bars of soap and socks and they they treat this this low life like a pinata I hope that happens. Sorry, I shouldn't call for physical violence on people. But I mean, he—the guy who did it—pretty much called for physical
0: violence on Bubba Watson. Oh, completely. I'm not Bubba, Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace. Excuse me. I said the golfer. Um, but uh, back to your point of just NASCAR has got a problem. I mean, look at it. They have what 50 drivers, pretty much, uh, in that top flight NASCAR, and they have one black driver.
2: One. Well, let's flip it around. If you're a if you're a black guy, I mean. <laughs> There's a lot of things you can go do. Mm-hmm. You can go get a great job. You can find a sport you you love. The I wouldn't if I'm a black guy. I'm not going. To, I'm not running to NASCAR
0: to go be a driver. Yeah, you can go find a sport that's more inclusive than NASCAR. That yeah, that you're not the only black but, driver. But, but,
2: but NASCAR is now seeing former and current NFL guys. Now that the uh, the confed- Yeah. By the way, it's like every ter- everywhere you feel like you turn, there's a stupid Confederate flag up. So that's not inviting Mm-mm. for people of color. Now that 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 stars and bars are gone, more African Americans it sounds like uh, per Marty Smith's report want to go attend cuz they love racing. They think it's cool. But this is is very very damaging. And you you got to find something. Let's get a little audio here. This is the uh president for NASCAR, Steve Phelps, and what the plans are here to uh, to do once they find the perpetrator.
4: I can't speak for those on social media who would say that this is a staged event. Um, I would say that is something that personally offends me. Um, this is this is a, a terrible, terrible um, act that has happened, and
5: um, you know, for those that, that would would. Um,
4: think that this is staged I, I I don't even know where to go with that frankly unequivocally Liz they will be banned from this sport for life
2: so there was the social media commentary that hey well is it like a Jesse Smollett thing did someone just plant this and, and no is the answer uh, last thought here from Steve Phelps
4: there is no room for this at all and we won't tolerate it uh, and they won't be here uh, I don't care who they are they will not be here
2: Here's Marty Smith. He was able to chime in with uh, Greedy and Stephen A. And Marty's a guy that's been on our show before, big-time college football contributor, but a guy that's worked for NASCAR. And and Marty is um, reporting on the scene that that happened down at Talladega. And, you know, they're searching for who committed this act.
3: Because of COVID-19, the garage area is roughly one-third or so of the amount of personnel you would typically see. Uh, It's about 16 people per team because of the COVID-19 protocol and restrictions. Fans are not allowed. This was not a situation where a fan might have meandered in and done this because there were no fans in the garage. So what you're looking at is you're looking at team members. You're looking at officials. You're looking at potential security. You're looking at maybe cleaning personnel that have access to these garage
2: areas. Do we have time? All right. More from Marty Smith.
3: And I will tell you that I spoke to a senior NASCAR official just a few moments ago, and they reiterated that statement. They're going to find who this person is. They're going to eliminate this person from the sport forever.
2: Good. No room for it. No need for it. Hate's awful, intimidation, a death threat, unacceptable. And NASCAR's got an opportunity here to respond the right way. Their drivers and their team members absolutely did already by showing solidarity and uniformity with Bubba
1: miss us?
3: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. We're in for the real thing.
1: We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Okay, you've got some weather moving through the area. You've got a severe thunderstorm warning uh, for Lancaster in effect till 6... Lancaster Seward, Celine, Gage, Southwest Cass. And uh, just a heads up, if you want uh, updates for weather, you can text WARNING to 88474. Get your KFOR updates to your mobile device. Okay, uh, if you're moving in 2020, West Blue Realty, they're the spot for you, man. Uh, Tom Luby, Kelly Hoffschneider are incredible at what they do, and they can help uh, find... Homes for you, or sell what you're looking to get out of in Lincoln and surrounding communities. And when you mention Hale Varsity, they can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby, give him a shout at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, West Blue Realty.com. Go see Tom or Kelly, today, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Let's hear a little bit more from Marty Smith on this uh, Bubba Wallace reaction. And and Bubba's been stand up about this. He has been uh, brave to put the comment out. He put out, because think, think about putting yourself in his shoes, how you're feeling, how angry you've got to be. And oh, by the way, go race today. So good on the the rest of the drivers in NASCAR with the show of solidarity and support and love they gave him by marching with him out on the track today. But if you're Bubba Man, I, I would I would lose it. I couldn't imagine. And I've I've never obviously dealt with this. And if you're Bubba, you're just trying to go to your job, kick butt, and take names. And some freak show says. Here I'm gonna I'm gonna try and intimidate you. Well, how terrifying is that?
0: That somebody within another team, essentially is saying that they want you dead.
2: Well, I don't know that it was somebody within another team. I there, there there's got to be footage. All right, let's play the longer Marty comment. Do we have time? No. Yeah. All right. Here's here's more from Marty. Oh wait, no, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get, let's get to the the footage, the security stuff, because that's there, there's got to be there's cameras everywhere, dude. There just is. You got to find. Somebody knows something, or somebody there 's an eye in the sky always to to hopefully find this culprit.
3: There was a lot of speculation last night about whether or not a fan might have made his or her way in there. There were no fans, so I think that we can safely say that that can be removed from the from the search and the equation it 's a brand new garage area that we 're talking about
2: yeah, that was big with uh, the way, and Vic's, uh, checking in. Uh, Vic, our friend out in Colorado, uh, when it comes to uh, NASCAR being welcoming. Yeah, NASCAR, their response is is awesome. I mean, it really makes you you proud. It sucks that they've got to do it. Busy show today, lots of football. We want you to check out Rob Zandeska's sit-down with us on the Husker O-Line. Rob's also a doctor, so Rob will have a take on the COVID battle and what's the likelihood of getting football season in. We still feel pretty good about it, but you've had cases spike in different uh, college football programs. So Rob Zadiska, Derek Peterson. Tomorrow, uh, Mitch Crank, Husker tight end. Well, YouTube Tuesday, 82 Auburn. Mitch Sherman with this. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Thanks.